0: Welcome into the Power Alley. If you're familiar with the podcast, I'm your host, Pat Malacaro. We're closing in on the month of February, which means we're just about two months away from the start of the 2023 season for the Buffalo Bisons, as they'll head to Scranton-Wilkes-Barre to take on the Rail Riders on March the 31st. And it's time to start talking about the players that might make out the Bisons roster this coming season under manager Casey Kandel. And what better person to do that than the AA broadcaster for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, Steve Goldberg. Taking over for a friend of the broadcast, Tyler Murray, last year, Goldberg had a front row seat to many of the top prospects in the Blue Jays organization, many of whom made their Bisons debut before the end of the 2022 season. We know what Addison Barger did in just a short time with the Bisons last year, Trevor Schwecki. John Aiello, several of the position players that came up to Buffalo over the final month and couple of weeks of the regular season last year with the extra week of games in AAA over the A season that allowed several players to come and join the Bisons. On the pitching side of things, Josver Zulueta, the hard-throwing right-hander, made his Bisons debut last year. We know what Hayden Yinger did in his extended time with the Bisons over the second half of the season last year. Steve had a chance to see all those players last year. Wanted to talk about the seasons they had from start to finish and also some of the players that will likely be making their Bison's debut here in 2023, who to keep an eye on as we look towards the 2023 year. And of course, that starts with Aurelvis Martinez, now one of the top prospects in the Blue Jays organization with the trade of Gabriel Moreno to the Diamondbacks chain this year. Also, Ricky Tiedemann, the hard-throwing left-hander who burst out of the scene last year right in spring training and did not disappoint last year. I wanted to talk to Steve about all the different prospects right here in the power alley. Steve, thanks for taking the time today. Appreciate you joining us in the off season. First of all, for Bison fans that you know may not be too familiar with the, the Fisher Cats in terms of the broadcast side of things. Can you fill folks in on just the whirlwind it's been in the last year joining the Fisher Cats uh, as a full-time member of the team and, and in the organization?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, big shoes to fill with uh, Tyler Murray leaving for Worcester, Um, you know, an outstanding opportunity for him. And, you know, he was really gracious with – you know, helping me out and, you know, imparting some wisdom on me, just, you know, stepping into the role so late in the off season last year, but, you know, being a guy myself with, with a deep background, minor league baseball, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I was, you know, totally unfamiliar with, but, you know, certainly a challenge when you, you know, you start up with a new team and, you know, it's, it's, it's opening week already, you know, the players are arriving your, your first, second day in the office and, you know, you're trying to get to know everybody and get a pulse on the, organization when when you were just hired so late in the offseason so you know one of the one of the great things about last year was you know just how warm and inviting everybody is in the blue Jays organization. And, you know, also getting to see a lot of guys that, you know, ultimately went up to Buffalo, you know, a guy in Max Castillo early in the season who made an impact in the big leagues. And, you know, also some of the up and coming talent in the organization with Ricky Tiedemann and, and Sam Robertson joining us late in the year. So I mean, it was a really outstanding year. And, and one of the best things about being at the A level where, where I've spent the majority of my career is, you know, you really do get to know a lot of those prospects and, you know, guys spend a lot of time, you know, whether it's a full season or majority of a season, or you know even a year plus with you, you know they'll have some struggles, maybe for the first time in their career. You know, young guys who were pushed up and excelled at the lower levels, you know, is now suddenly trying to fine tune things and and get ready for Buffalo and beyond.
0: And for yourself personally, you're you're a New England guy, so I have a feeling being back in the New England area, uh, up in New Hampshire, that that has to feel like home for you just just naturally.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that was just one of the beautiful things about it, you know, first interviewing for the position and, you know, trying to picture myself, you know, moving, moving across the country. But, you you know, back home. And, you know, I remember those, you know, first couple of phone calls after I was offered the job and accepted and, you know, getting on the phone with my family and, you know, surprise, I'm going to see you next week. And, you know, I've got, you know, my my parents aren't up here, but, you know, but my grandma's in the Boston area, you know, aunts, uncles, cousins, and, you know, this off season just being full time and, you know, still living up here, you know, having an opportunity to, you know, dig my heels into working in the Boston area the college side. And then also, you know, just bumping into some of those familiar faces, family and friends, you know, just around the area. And, you know, as you know, you know, with this career choice, you know, you might be taken, you know, all over the country, all over the world, you know, different cities and, you know, be far from home, be far from your family. You know, it's really nice just to, you know, have a place to go for the holidays or, you know, pop in for a couple of hours on somebody's birthday and, you know, grab lunch or, um, you know, just 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 being able to do that was, you know, one of the beautiful things about this job.
0: And as the season rolled on last year for for the Fisher Cats, and you had a front row seat to it, and sure, you look at the the wins and losses, not where you want it to be at the end of the year. But how did you feel, maybe just in a general, broad sense? the progression of the development of the players in the organization that, that maybe started the year in New Hampshire and, and kind of, you know, felt their way through those struggles that you talked about at the outset and, and kind of grew as players.
1: Yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, there were, there were challenges on the win loss side of things. Um, you know, the ERA was much higher than you'd like, you know, walking too many batters for, for this league in this level. But but overall, I mean, you did see potential and, and stacking stacking the New Hampshire roster up against other teams in the Eastern League and around AA. It was one of the younger groups that you would have. I mean, our average age was only about 23, 24 for majority of the season. You know, there were, you know, for the most part, you know, multiple guys who were, you know, 20, 21, 22, you know, just being pushed and, you know, elevated in the system. and 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 they were challenged. I mean, and, you know, guys who come to mind are Elvis Martinez, despite the power numbers. You know, he was playing both positions on the left side of the infield and, you know, had some defensive struggles at times. And then also, you know, just trying to put the ball in play. I mean, he had so much just natural pop with the bat, but, you know, actually putting balls in play, getting singles and doubles too. And, you know, not just being a, a, a true two outcome player, you know, home run or strikeout, and you know, being able to see him work through some of that and and improve by the end of the season. Um, you know, Sebastian Espino is another guy who comes to mind, uh, you know, came over a uh, minor league rule five for the Mets. I mean, certainly a guy that the Blue Jays have invested in and have stock in, but really was pushed up to this level for the first time this year and and had to, you know, try to work himself out of a funk for majority of the season. you batted under the 200 mark which was much lower than you'd like but again I mean that's a guy who's in his early 20s I mean we'll probably be back here again to start the season have another go at double-a pitching and you know being able to see some of that from some of those young guys just being tested and being challenged for the first time yes while it didn't amount in wins and losses you did see small improvements over the course of the year
0: and you mentioned a little bit about about the pitching and that's one area I think you know position player wise Sure, there were players, and we'll talk about them in a moment that came up to Buffalo, but they didn't go back necessarily to New Hampshire the way that uh, pitchers went back and forth between Double A AA and Triple A. Guys like uh, Gabrielle Ponce comes to mind. Got a taste of Triple A experience, went back to Double A. You know, maybe his case and others that may have gone up and down. How did you feel they handled you know those? opportunities and the ability to get better is, you know, seeing what it took to be a triple-A.
1: Yeah. I mean, getting, getting that taste of triple-A batters and, you know, as a, as a pitcher, you know, you're facing a lot more hitters with major league reps and major league experience. And you can't necessarily finesse triple-A hitters in the same way that you can double-A hitters. So a lot of pitchers, I mean, you'll see, you know, guys who just absolutely shove at this level, all of a sudden go up and get lit up in Buffalo. And, you know, from what the mental side of things, you know, how do those guys adjust and how do they react to that? And, you know, seeing Ponce come back here, you know, you mentioned him, you know, a couple of other guys too come to mind, Sean Rakowski, uh, Parker Caracy towards the end of the season uh, really, really pulled things together and, you know, did well here and, and and finished out the season strongly up in Buffalo too. Um, but yeah, I mean, guys who are bouncing back and forth and, you know, part of that is just the needs of the major league club in in any given moment. And, you know, if they're light on pitching, you may have guys from AA that really aren't AAA ready going up and getting a taste. You know, you kind of know they'll wind up being back in a couple of weeks, but but still for them, I mean, just getting an opportunity to, to travel in AAA, play in front of bigger crowds, get that experience up there. I mean, that's kind of what it takes to get ready for the next level, and it's not as much about you know which team you're playing for whether it's New Hampshire or Buffalo in a given moment you know it's 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 just you know everybody you know matures and develops differently
0: and you bring up a great point because i i feel like guys like parker Carisi, uh yasra zulueta who came up to buffalo and Pittswell, well who is you know a lot of things blue jay fans are expecting of um just injuries have have hampered his professional career in the in the organization so far but uh, zulueta specifically uh he came up pitched really well and you're looking to him maybe in 2023 to be a key contributor maybe early on uh to the bison's uh pitching staff
1: yeah i mean even even at one point this year before before like a mid to late season injury I mean there was talks about him potentially going up and making an impact in the majors last year. So I mean I can't say how much longer he's going to be in Buffalo. Um I mean control was an issue for him here but but his stuff is outstanding and you know when when he can locate and you know spot the fastball the slider I mean, that's that's big league stuff right there. And I mean, I don't don't think he's too far off. And I mean, I'd imagine he's a guy who starts in Buffalo and, you know, knock on wood, if he can stay healthy. He's a guy that the Blue Jays could potentially turn to at some point, you know, maybe by the midway point of this year. Um, But you know, one of the things that I really like now, just, just about the way that, that the new minor league schedules go, you know, it's kind of nice that you guys play on a little bit longer than we do when we play on a little bit longer than Dunedin does. And you have that opportunity for some of those guys to come up late in the season, you know, guys who wouldn't be on a double a roster, you know, at all over the course of the year or, or, or a triple a roster too, but guys who, you know, who have shown and, you know, that they can, that they can contribute. And, you know, also just capping their year, earning a late season promotion, whether it's to double a or whether it's to triple a, you know, getting, getting a taste of what's to come and almost like a cameo in a sense, you know, a glimpse into the future, um, you know, whether all those guys are back or not, you know, you probably wind up seeing, you know, a good bulk of those guys who were up late in the year, you know, starting the year in Buffalo this year.
0: And I know you can't, Necessarily take what you do at the end of one season because you have so many months in between to go to spring training the following February. But mentally, I always talk to players and just mentally knowing that I can perform at that level, you, whether it's double A after season in single A or guys that came up at, to Buffalo at the end of the year last year that extra week. Just mentally being able to go and have your off-season workout program that does help guys as they come into the spring, uh, the next season, I always, I always get that sense from, from players.
1: Yeah. And, and every year, year in, year out, I mean, you always see those guys who had a brief stint, maybe, maybe they were hot and cold, you know, struggled a little bit late in the year. You're kind of thinking to yourself, well, you know, is this guy really all that I've been reading about? And, you know, is he really, you know, worth all that hype and, you know, all that, all that attention that he's getting. And, You know, then all of a sudden, just after, you know, maybe like 15 to 30 games, you know, late in the season at that level, having his ups and downs goes into the off season has an outstanding spring training turns heads you know puts on a little bit more muscle maybe and you know all of a sudden just comes back early in the season and crushes it so you know year in year out there are guys that are that are doing that and you know it's just kind of a it's a guessing game right you know who's gonna who's gonna wind up you know being the guy that makes the impact and and a lot of times it's a guy that maybe you didn't have on your radar and you know maybe you saw and you know you were lukewarm about you know kind of whatever but uh you know but it's just such a small sample size and you know when you see a guy for 20 to 30 games but then all of a sudden you know see him after a full off season spring training you know get some experience in some big league spring games maybe for the first or second time in their careers and then all of a sudden come back to the level whether it's here or or up with you guys and and really look like they're ready for that next step
0: one of the things at the AAA level and I feel like this is something that will carry through this year was n- the lack of traditional starting pitching. Sure, Casey Lawrence was a starter for the Bisons uh, his entire season when he was in Buffalo. Thomas Hatch up until the final couple weeks, but pretty much from mid-June on, the organizational philosophy was to get pitchers into the bulk role, and that's the the buzz term now, and maybe start for two innings and see how things go and then piece it together afterwards. Um, Someone like Hayden Yinger, I believe, did that uh, several times in New Hampshire. Is that something that that the Fisher cats uh, employed as well as part of that organizational philosophy?
1: Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I mean, we had, I don't know, you know, one, one or two guys that really come to mind that were true starters for the majority of the year. But I mean, outside of those guys, you know, you mentioned Yinger, prime example, you know, a guy who's going to be pitching a few innings, you know, maybe it's as a starter or maybe it's in a relief role, um, you know, but, but I mean, our starters were limited, You know, there were pitch counts every single night, and, you know, we would face a lot of teams that, you know, that they had a starter who was rolling and they would pitch six or seven innings against us. And, and a lot of times when you're, you know, yanking a guy who cruised through the order the first time around and that's it for him, you know, it's almost frustrating just watching the team night in, night out and saying, oh, man, you know, I wish we could have seen a little bit more of Inger tonight. And, you know, I'm sure you know, he could have given a couple more innings and, you know, maybe had a chance to win those games. But again, you know, it's all about development, the wins and losses, they don't matter in a sense. And, and it's, it's about getting these guys ready for the next level. And, you know, the organization philosophy is, is just that, you know, have guys that are able to pitch, Any amount of innings, any spot, you know, whether it's, you know, midway through the game, whether it's, you know, early on in the game, potentially as an opener for a couple of innings. Um, And that's and that's the way that, you know, some teams have been going these days. I mean, it's not just a Blue Jays thing, but but it is something that, you know, that I did notice, you know, across the line with us and, you know, saw again, just following box scores up with you guys.
0: And in just the final month or so of the season, um, the Fisher Cats fans were treated to one of the top organizational prospects and now one of the top left handed pitching prospects in all of the game, according to MLB Pipeline. And that's Ricky Tiedemann. Uh, only what 11 innings worth of work, four yeah, starts yeah. with the Fisher Cats last year. You know, what were maybe your expectations? What did you see um, from that fastball that uh, everything I've read and watched on video has great sync on it?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, outstanding movement, you know, control was there. Command was there. You know he could he could locate hit his spots which you know oftentimes is a struggle for guys who are new to Double A and especially just being that young coming up at 19. But but we had read a lot about him and you know had had watched him with the and with Vancouver and he you know breezed through those levels and and up to us late in the year. Um, you know his his innings were capped. I mean we knew we were only going to have him for a few series. You know it was going to be shorter outings and and talking to our pitching coach. Last year, uh, Jim Sikowski about him, you know, we, we both agreed that obviously his stuff was phenomenal and he looked like like a guy who, you know, was ready for the next level, but but only seeing him go through the order once you know, you don't have, you know, that, that, that second opportunity to face guys and for guys to make adjustments to it. So, you know, while, while he was absolutely dominant in his time with us, he was only facing the batting order once, you know, in, in majority year, if not all of his starts. So, so it's a little bit hard to judge, you know, from that standpoint, um, you know, if he's back to begin the year next year, you know, I'd love to see him, Um, you know, maybe not on as tight of a pitch count, be able to go four or five, maybe even into the sixth inning, you know, face guys twice or maybe even three times um, in a given night at this level, see how he adjusts. see how they adjust and, you know, see how he works himself out of some jams that, that he just wasn't put in. But I mean, the fact of the matter is what we saw from last year, you know, lived, if not exceeded the hype coming in.
0: I know Bison fans are certainly excited potentially to see him pitch this year. Uh, Another name that I've kept my eye on and somebody we've heard about over the years is Adam Klopfenstein, right-handed starter, what, 18 starts last year, 19 overall appearances with the Fisher cats. How, how did his season from, from a bigger perspective kind of look to you and what things he was kind of working on throughout the course of the year?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say for him, it was a tumultuous year. Um, but again, you know, another guy that, you know, you watch him pitch, you know, he's got a big frame, he's a big guy, and, you know, you forget how young he is, and, you know, dealing with double-A pitching, and he was, you know, one of the more true starters, and they were pushing him in some of his outings, you know, going forward four to six innings. Um, it, it just seemed like in a lot of his starts, he didn't get off to good starts and he had a rough first innings and was almost digging himself out of a hole, you know, just barely skating his way through the first, maybe facing seven or eight batters, you know, some nights he would only give up a couple of runs, but, you know, was one fluky thing away from, you know, having a, having a horrible inning and not being able to get out of the first at all. Um, And then all of a sudden he would, you know, work things out and get under control for the rest of the start and, 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 and wind up having a decent outing. So, so it was an up and down year. I mean, if you asked him, I'm sure he wasn't pleased with last season and, you know, may wind up repeating the level again next year, but, but, but a guy who, you know, at the end of the day, he was, he was young and he was being challenged for the first time. And, you know, yeah, might've fallen in the prospect rank, so to say, but, you know, at the end of the day, the blue Jays know what they have in him and, you know, are still, are still, you know, he's still developing and, you know, they're still taking the time to, you know, improve some of those mechanics and, and get a little bit more uh, consistency with him.
0: On the position player side of things, there are a lot of key contributors that came up from New Hampshire throughout the course of the year. Spencer Horwitz is someone who kind of just burst out of the scene at the beginning of July and really not knowing if he'd stick in Buffalo much past a couple of weeks. He excelled in uh, somebody that I think easily became a a fan favorite for the way he played the game. And and that kind of, I feel like that that was one of the bright spots of the many that um, you can look towards last year of guys that came up and really excelled here at AAA.
1: Yeah. Spencer was that kind of guy here in New Hampshire as well for the first few months of the year. And it seemed like anytime there was like a doubt in your head, or, you know, maybe you had a couple of rough games strung together and you're like, all right, you know, now he's going to start coming back down to earth. You know, all of a sudden he would just, whip out a four for five game, you know, hustle out a couple of doubles, have a, have a late hit that drove in a run in a key spot or, you know, a home run here and there. He's got plenty of power can play all over, you know, infield outfield, you name it. So, I mean, really, really a guy that, um, that the Blue Jays, you know, kind of lucked out in, in, in having, and, you know, the way that, that he's developed and, you know, really worked himself from a guy who, you know, wasn't on the radar as far as, you know, top prospects go to a guy who's, you know, really just a, just a cut away from the big leagues um, and, you know, may get that opportunity uh, for the first time this year, you know, another guy uh, late in the season that we got, and ultimately you got uh, Addison Barger. And I mean, another guy who, you know, completely off of anybody's radar, you know, if you ask people, you know, guys who, you know, cover MLB prospects, you know, if you ask them about Barger early in the season, might not have gotten much from them, but, Um, But but he really, you know, turned a lot of heads. And, you know, again, just another another grinder, you know, a guy who plays the game really well, you know, shows up hustles both both defensively and at the plate, you know, a guy who, you know, may not have some of those raw tools that other guys have, but just so much consistency and their 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 approach, um, you know, just miles ahead of, you know, Some other guys. So, yeah, I mean, he's another guy who, you know, I'd imagine will probably start out in Buffalo to begin this year, you know, for playing the guessing game. And, you know, you guys will really get 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 a longer opportunity to enjoy him before he's up in Toronto or in the majors.
0: Yeah, somebody who had a hit in every single game that he played in with the Bison. It's amazing that 10 or 11 games last year and, and had a multi home run game. I was curious, you know, I'm glad you brought him up in just kind of how the coaching staff and Cesar, Martin, and, and everybody kind of figured out where, uh, you know, Barger might play on one day or in Arelvis in being such a top prospect. You know, what was, what was the, the, the match game, so to speak, of where they'd be in the lineup and positionally every day and and how that kind of played out through the year?
1: Yeah, I mean, it did kind of vary over. Over the course of the year, um, you know, both both in the infield, you know, early on in the year it was, you know, uh Spencer Horowitz and you know, sometimes he'd be at first, sometimes he'd be in the outfield or DHing. You know, same thing with the relvis. It was, you know, typically a couple of nights at short, a couple of nights at third, you know, a night maybe DH and then an off day in a given series. Um, and then the outfield was, you know, kind of a jigsaw puzzle, uh, you know, throughout the year as well. Um, you know, just, just a number of guys that, you know, came up and came through, but you know, also you know some more some more experienced minor league guys too, like a like a Luis De Los Santos. You know, another guy who you know was strong at the plate, strong defensively. You know, could play that shortstop, but you know, again, they've got to get a Relvis whose reps, got to get Barger and Spencer, and you know Tanner Morris when we had him at the time too. So you know, it was just kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. But I mean, I would say in general, guys tended to play you know similar positions, roughly the same percentage of the time throughout the year. You know, whether it was infield outfield for certain guys, you know, whether it was, you know, third base shortstop for other guys.
0: What's maybe your expectations through spring training first part of the year for Elvis Martinez and, you know, where you maybe kind of expect him to maybe start the year or just kind of what you expect him to be, um, you know, working on to, to get ready for potentially the next level?
1: Yeah, I feel like Irrelevant is really that true question mark. Um, I mean, we can both go back and forth on it. I'm sure fans can go back and forth on it. Does he start out at Double A? Does he get the bump up to Triple A? Certainly, the power numbers were there last year. You hit 30 home runs over the course of the season in Double A. You're saying, all right, this guy's mastered the level and he's ready to move up. But some of the other stats, you know, bulk over the course of the year, weren't, weren't quite where you would like them. But again, you know, he's one hot spring training away from getting the nod and getting the bump up to Buffalo. I don't I don't feel like he was a guy that, you know, massively struggled at this level. And there were still, you know, a lot of areas in which he excelled consistently over the course of the year. But there are still areas of his game that do need improvement. But, but he can get that here. He can get that in Buffalo. So at the end of the day, it's a Blue Jay decision but but I feel like Arelvis is really that question mark coming into the year.
0: Defensively, how how did you feel he fared last year in in, in kind of, you know, maybe figuring things out at double A?
1: Yeah, one of the things defensively, looking at his stats over the course of last year that that stood out, um, it's it's a little bit a little bit backwards when you think about it but but looking at his numbers last year defensively I I almost would have liked to see him make more errors because more errors shows that you're being more aggressive defensively and and I felt like there were times and and even games where there were a number of balls hit to him and he wasn't taking chances on balls that he should have you know he was eating balls you know when he had a chance to make a throw for a bang bang play you know maybe he wasn't hustling for a little dribbler down the third base line and you know got in a little bit late and you know you would have liked to see him just be a little bit more aggressive defensively because, because he's tools. He's got a great glove. He's got a great arm. And when he does get a good beat on a baseball, his first steps are great and and he can make some absolutely phenomenal plays. And, and we saw that at times too. Um, but there were other times where, where, you know, he might look a little bit out of it or, you know, a little bit hesitant. And, you know, again, just a guy who's extremely young and, um, you know, being, being really pushed and really challenged and, you know, in an uncomfortable spot as well, playing some third last year. And, you know, it did, it takes a little bit of time to get comfortable, but I mean, that's something where if he is back at this level, I'm sure there'll be, you know, an even greater focus on that, you know, looking forward to, to higher levels and, you know, same thing in Buffalo, if, if he starts out there.
0: I know I'm going to put you on the spot with this question, so I apologize in advance. But is there a kind of under the radar player that was with the Fisher Cats last year that you think really could make an impact in Buffalo, maybe not immediately in 2023, but somebody that um bison fans maybe see next year and and really make an impact on this team?
1: Yeah, a couple come to mind. I'll stay. Uh, just for starters, one of the guys that you saw late in the year, Parker Caracy. and you know from from early season, mid season on, I remember he had one outing, and it was it was late in the game against Somerset, and he got absolutely shelled. I think it, I can't remember if it was an extra inning game or just you know late, maybe like eighth or ninth inning, and just absolutely got lit up. I think he gave up like six runs in the inning, but but after that. Just started mowing guys down. Um, Just absolutely dominated the hitters, and I think maybe that was the catalyst, that spark that you know really like lit his fire. And and from that point on, he looked like a completely different pitcher and went up and and shoved in Buffalo late in the season last year. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like to bet that he'll be back in Buffalo to begin this year. And he's a guy who, I mean, I would definitely keep an eye on and certainly late in the season seemed to just absolutely master this level to the point of, you know, this guy is a guy who's fringe major league ready.
0: And I want to finish on the topic of the coaching staff last year because uh, Bison fans are very familiar with the Fisher Cats hitting coach in Matt Haig, won the league MVP in, in 2015, hitting over 300 with the Bisons. How did you did you see the coaching staff maybe working uh, with amongst themselves with you know Cesar Martin and, and the entire coaching staff and then with the players that kind of how they helped uh, bring guys along through the course of the year and in how uh, just different things that you saw.
1: Yeah, I'd say that coaching staff was definitely a very disciplined group but also a group that could be relaxed and could be loose and could have fun and and Matt was like the quintessential guy for that. I mean, just a just a laid-back approach to to coaching hitting but also at the same time, you know, could bring that spark of energy and could really challenge guys and also just making things fun. I mean, there were there were days where our guys would be having home run derbies down on the field and, you know, times when all right, you know, you need a little bit of a spark. And I mean, it gets tougher when you're not winning games or, you know, you're not even splitting series and winning one of every two. Maybe you're losing four or five in a row and just trying to keep guys locked in, keep guys motivated when the numbers aren't there when when you're struggling to get wins or close out games or get timely hits and and one of the things that he and the rest of the coaching staff did was just try to spice things up and get out of the monotony and out of the routine and bring some of that fun and some of that energy to the group. I mean they were a very uh very very structured bunch. I mean they they were pretty regimented with their, you know, infield work, defensive work um, you know, catching bullpens, you know, hitting work and all that. And, you know, it seemed like multiple team meetings a day, a series and, you know, hitters meetings, pitchers meetings, probably a little bit more so than I've seen with other teams, you know, as far as just structure, you know, start to finish in, in the course of a given day. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Matt was, Matt was just a great guy to work with and really enjoyed my time with him.
0: Well, Steve, I appreciate you joining us today, taking uh bison fans kind of behind the curtain a little bit on what they can maybe expect from the 2023 herd roster. Uh best of luck in this offseason and looking forward to catching up with you again soon.
1: Same to you, Pat. It's it's always great and you know, stay in touch and Obviously, we'll have a lot of players going up to Buffalo, so you know that's the goal.
0: <laughs> Our thanks again to Steve for joining us in the Power Rally. Looking forward to catching up with him over the course of the 2023 season. He has been an invaluable resource to the Bisons as several players came up from New Hampshire last year, as we discussed. And looking forward to keeping that relationship going here this season. Well, stay tuned to Bisons.com. We'll have the very latest on the newest additions to the Bisons roster and spring training invites as we inch our way closer towards the Grapefruit League opening up at the end of February. We'll also have the newest promotional information as well. A lot of great dates coming on the calendar this year. A lot of great promotions coming here in the 2023 season. You'll want to make your plans for the summer here at the downtown ballpark this year, and we'll have all that for you at Bisons.com. Until next time, I'm Pat Melicaro here in the Power Alley.